My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. Jeremy Lee, General Manager of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, the longest name in the industry. He's been in the industry for nine years and started as a maintenance technician and moved into the role of comfort advisor, sales manager, and for the last four years has been the general manager. Since being promoted to the GM, the business has found much success in the growth and profitability through an explosion of sales and team members helping customers day in and day out. Married to Bianca Lee, he has three beautiful children and is an aspiring writer and world-renowned speaker. He's currently finishing up writing his first book, The Other Side, sharing a message of hope that no matter what, never giving up, almost always moving forward and always putting one foot in front of the other. His mother calls it always landing on her feet. He calls it the other side of life. Jeremy, welcome. Good morning. Mark Madison here on Books and People. Today, I'm just delighted to have Jeremy Lee as a guest. Jeremy, how are you this morning? Wonderful, Mark. How are you, sir? Good as gold, right as rain, and cool as a cucumber. Love it. When's the last time you heard that in one sentence? <laughs> Maybe last week. <laughs> uh, 1990 never. That's why. Yeah, there you go. Yes. So I was trying to think, how did we meet and when? Do you remember? Let's see. Uh, well, yeah, the first time I actually met you at an EGIA event is the first time I met you. Um, and it would have been epic of... Was it epic? Epic of 2019, I believe. Was it in Vegas? Yep, it was in Vegas. I remember that gig. Yeah, that was good. All the my room was standing room only. I remember that. Yes, it was. Yeah, yes, it was. Uh, and I remember Bruce walking in and kind of looking around, going, "Well, this is where everybody is." And he had this expression. On his face. He did. Because <laughs> I guess the other rooms were like half full, and he wondered where they all went. Yeah, well, everybody funny. came in to find out about how they were going to goal, uh, go through goal setting and, and figure out how to set goals, not only for professional lives, but their personal lives as well. So Yeah, and you're, that's something you know a lot about. How did you get started in HVAC? Uh, funny story to me. Uh, so I started in HVAC back in 2012, so I haven't been in the industry very long, um, considering, but I actually was at my wedding, got married. Uh, my niece's uncle owned a business, still owns a business. Um, but he approached me at my wedding and he said, Hey, I don't know what you're doing for a living these days, but I really like how you work the room to come work for me and learn, learn the trades. So, uh, I went from working in corporate America to learning a trade, uh, in HVAC. I've said yes to him and never looked back since. So it's been wonderful. What a great pitch. I like the way you work the room. Come join us. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what he said. And since then, I know of three other team members we have that uh, he found at weddings. So I think that's his gig. <laughs> he just, he's a wedding crasher. He's a wedding crasher. So Still all those one of my favorite movies. have finding good help in the industry all you have to do is go to a good wedding and, and find your find help. Right. Yeah. 
and you know watch wedding crashers for uh, advice and insights yeah right i love that movie it starts out you shut your mouth when you're talking to me yeah <laughs> <laughs> So you've been doing this a while with tremendous success. What do you love most about the work? Um, you know, I love most, I, I think it's, it's the people that I love the most about it. Um, yeah. Customers, team members, um, you know, just the entire experience. So it's, it's a different world, obviously. Um, but to get to see people like, you know, just that were in, in my shoes uh, back in, you know, just a few years ago, but uh, whether they're, you know, they've lost a job or uh, they're going through a change or they're living in their mother's basement still um, looking for something that it can offer something for everybody. Right. So whether it's technical, um, you know, skilled marketing, uh, management, leadership, however you want to go, there's something for everybody in the industry. And, and I love how it, it always gives back. And I feel like you get a sense of pride each day because you get to go out and help people in the community. Um, you know, it's never, uh, it's never usually a good call when they're calling us. It's always usually an emergency. Right. You know, so I think that's what I love most about it is just that sense of um, being able to accomplish and help people throughout the day, just be of service to people each day. Yeah, especially now, you know, as the as the world keeps changing and it seems to be getting warmer, now all of a sudden our industry is uh, even that much more important than it ever was. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What's the toughest part of your job? Mm, toughest part of my job, I would say, you know, it's, <laughs> it's along the same lines. Um, there's not enough hours in the day. Right. And there's, you know, so the people, that's, that's still the toughest. So you have to learn. I've had to learn how to navigate uh, people and how to work with them individually and in my position. So I've, I've kind of grown up now from technician to comfort advisor to sales manager to now um, general manager. And um, just those different shifts in my positions in my in my life there, just figuring out how do I work with the team? How do we become better? You know, how do we work together? And, um, you know, um, I'll beat you to it. One of the books I've recently read was Leadership. And one of them, one of the things he talks about, John Maxwell, and that is bringing everybody to the top of the ladder together. So, um, you know, that's the, I think, one of the toughest parts of the position. Maxwell's a brilliant guy. He was uh, friends with my pub, my late publisher, Charlie Tremendous Jones, and, and uh, they were good friends. And his yeah. books are really insightful. That was, so you brought it up. What other books uh, have you been reading that made a difference for you? Uh, yeah, so um, uh, Leadership is one of them. Uh, obviously, Jim Collins' Good to Great is another one that's, that made a huge difference in, in my life a couple of years back when I first read it. Um, got to meet him as well, which was interesting. What's he uh, like? Um, you know what? He's, he's very humble. Um, more humble than I... Would have imagined, I guess. I don't know, but he was he was very humble. We met um, at a an event he was a keynote for, and he like came out, and I was standing there, and I said, you know, Mr. Collins, and I had a, an original copy of that good to great asked him to sign it, and the guy that was with him was like, oh, he's in a hurry, he's got to go to the airport, you know, he's got to get out of here, and he said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, I always have time for my fans. Hold on, just a minute. let me let me talk to this young man here. That's so, awesome. He was great. <laughs> he was great. 
Well, he had the same deal that you and I have with the airlines. If they're ready to go and we're not there, they can leave without us. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's a good deal. And they have more than once. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, you know, Colin's book, you know, he talks about the three things that lead. who's on the bus. Oh, uh, where's the bus going? Who's on the bus? And are they in the right seat on the bus? That's right. That principle is so profound and it's so simple. And the other one that I love in that book is the window in the mirror. When mm. it comes time to take the credit, you look out the window, it comes time to take the blame, you look in the mirror. And that's such an underutilized principle. But all great leaders share that, that, love, that he calls them level five leaders, share that, that measure of humility and grace. And he obviously demonstrated that to you. He did. Yes, sir, he did. That's so great to hear because not everybody that, you know, is as famous and successful as an author or speaker are, they're not all nice guys. They're just not. Yeah. Most of them are, but some aren't. You so included, nice sir. You included. So I, you oh. know, we'll round it out with your list. I've recently uh, read The Freedom from Fear again, A Simple Choice, and uh, currently working on that, the, the, the 52 questions you asked me about so oh man um, lots i am of... on i am on my ninth edit of that new book wow and i'm jeremy i'm ready to throw it out the no i'm, I'm kidding i <laughs> but it, you know this is the last one i'm not doing any more edits i mean that that's going to be it but but i have to tell you you know i've gotten a lot of positive feedback from it but uh to say this with all humility it's the best thing i've written and uh and i'm excited about sending it out to the world because I know it's going to make a difference. Now, having said that, uh, you're writing a book. I am. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, sure. So the, the book is, um, I, I take a, you know, maybe a, a page out of uh, your repertoire, but uh, just story form. Um, Tell you, it's it's about a uh, young man who does not uh, have the best upbringing, who uh, comes from almost nothing, and wasn't taught a lot of values. wasn't taught, um, you know, as, as things like uh, how to have a bank account or what credit means, or you know, things simple things like that. Right. Um, you know, and uh, how one bad decision leads to another, and um, before you know it, you're at your end of your twenties, and um, you know you've made some very poor decisions and uh, life might, might, not, might not be going anywhere and um, how that can change uh, in an instant just by stepping out on a, a small step of faith and um, start taking suggestions from other people and uh, just start making better choices. So being led by faith. I don't, I don't have a title for it yet and it's still coming out and, you know, and still sitting down and writing um, just like, you know, you've talked about it 30 minutes, one page and each day and it's coming out, but it's how to overcome, you know, that a lot of that self-centered fear and you're not doing things because of that self-centered fear, uh, whether it's taking the chances, taking the risk, staying teachable, um, and how to, how to overcome that and what life looks like, even if it's been in the dumps. So even if you've been at your bottom, there is the way out. Right, um, right. You know, so. Well, self-centered fear is a sneaky thing. You know, we're afraid we're going to lose what we have or not get what we want. 
and it, it drives our behavior uh, in a negative way you know and so replacing that fear with faith is really one of the keys to living a, a, an abundant life and we're all afraid of something and i still don't like heights or german shepherds you know why because i've been bit by one that's why <laughs> <laughs> that's right i got bit by a rottweiler um, well there you go i mean you know you and i guarantee you, every time you see one of those you go oh i do <laughs> every time every time pavlov's dog yeah so you're here you are you're the general manager of a very successful company uh you've got hundreds of employees you've got a busy schedule you've got young children at home you're writing a book how do you balance all that what's the secret to having balance loving the chaos uh, that's what it is oh for some people i you know i had a conversation with someone yesterday about this and uh, they and that was that's my answer i mean it's uh, for a guy like me i i love the chaos um i i think that i you know i thrive on that chaos and um you know i actually thought that um i was not doing as much as i could as a father and i i you know is is spending time but um, my friend reminded me like, you know, for, Hey, for, for the schedule you have and the things that you're involved with as much time as you spend with your family, you should be pretty proud of that. And, yeah. um, you know, I try to remember that that's kind of at the forefront is, um, you know, having faith and remembering that I, I do always remember the why, which is, you know, um, my children and having the faith that, you know, they can have faith in God and, um, but, I've been given them and um, they are my heaviest responsibility as far as I'm concerned. And when I'm gone um, or I'm older, nothing else is really going to matter other than that. How, how are they raised? What are my children? You know, what are they doing? So, well, my kids don't listen to a word I say, but they watch every move I make. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah. And honestly, they're, I mean, my kids are having kids now. Right. So, mm -hmm but they're frost on a windshield they're rentals we just get them for a little while mm -hmm. and then we send them out to the world and we hope we do our best and you know when they when they grow up to be high functioning positive members of the community who are wonderful fathers and husbands you just go oh wow okay i guess i did my job I don't know if there's anything more gratifying than that. Now, we have a grandson who's two weeks old. And on Sunday, on Father's Day, I got to spend a few hours with him. And he fell asleep on my chest. And I just remember thinking, does it get any better than this? You know, and I think the answer is no. I mean, it's just, it's your legacy, right? That's right. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way, on the new grandson. Uh, he, you know, he's a good looking kid. I'm just so grateful. But the coolest thing, Jeremy, is to watch how our youngest son, Evan, has become this loving, caring father. He just, he's so adoring to that little boy and just so loving. It's just, he's this Hulk. He's 6'11 and 275, you know, I and mean, he's just mm -hmm. this beast, but he's this gentle giant and just a loving dad. It's so wonderful to see that. How old are your kids? Awesome. My, um, so my oldest is seven, uh, Hunter, and then I have Nora. She's, she just turned five, and Maverick is one year. Uh, he just turned one year old. So, I love those names. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome kids. Wonderful kids. They, um, it's a good thing they have their mother. 
Oh, you married up just like <laughs> I, I did. married up. Oh yeah, for sure. You out punted the coverage. Yep, that's right. Well, I remember when I first got married, uh, friends would go, what's she doing with him? I'm like what? <laughs> yeah. So I'm a good salesman. I don't know what to tell you. Hey there. Yeah. Skills are strong. So. <laughs> <laughs> we closed the deal, baby. Yeah. Oh, wow. Press hard three copies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which would you prefer? Here we go. This one mm -hmm. or the, that one? That's right. You, um, during COVID, did your kids stayed home? How was that? They did. Yeah. So the, um, the oldest um, was doing online schooling and that was a little tough uh at first and you know he got the hang of it um and honestly i will give my wife all of the credit uh we were essential workers so we were still working full time um i was still going in every day so she she really is the uh, the savior there because she was at home she was working from home um plus making sure that the that they were you know doing their schooling through the google meets and I remember one of the first days I uh, came home and she said, yeah, she said Hunter and a couple of his buddies, they got into a little bit of a trouble on that Google meet. And I said, oh yeah. I said, what happened? <laughs> she said, well, apparently they took a break and uh, they all got their Nintendo switches out and they were playing switch on the Google. Of meet course. Uh, you know, so. <laughs> They'd forgotten more about technology than you know. Oh, that's yeah. It was amazing how quickly now my five-year-old can work that those things faster than I can. So, um, and to be honest, the it's you know I have an Apple Watch and my one-year-old Maverick. Um, he it's almost I guess instinctual. He just knows yes. to press it and he can swipe up and down. It's amazing. Yeah, it's intuitive. Um, they just know. Yeah, they're growing so up was, in a different world rough, than we but did. She, but she took care of it. Um, you know, I got to give all the credit to my wife on that. Um, I couldn't have done it, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm just not built that way, but she did an awesome job. And, um, so. My mother used to say, a man may work from sun to sun, but a woman's work is never done. <laughs> I was like, you, you got it, mom, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think women live longer for a reason. They have greater responsibilities and, uh, we get, we get out of this deal. It's pretty, We've got a pretty light load compared to what they do every day. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They do all the heavy lifting, man. We get all the credit. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. Yep. Well, and she was doing it working as well. She was just working from home. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and their day, I watched my, my daughter-in-law, my oldest son, Colin, and she never stops. She's like a shark swimming in the water. She's always cleaning something up, organizing something, cooking something. It's like, she never slot. She never slows down. And that's the other thing, you know, you worry, you worry about, you know, whether kids are going to marry the right person. And I remember one day years ago when, when Debbie and I were first married. So this was like 35 years ago. And she just got done praying. And I said, well, what were you praying for? She said, I'm praying for the, the women our children are going to meet and marry. Hmm. I said, excuse me? I go, they're like, we don't even, you know, they're like little kids right now. We don't, you know, how? I said, how do you think that far ahead? She goes, well, just thinking about their well-being. And I thought, I was just worried about wow. making lunch today. I mean, yeah. you know, you're, yeah. you're praying for something that's going to happen in 25 years. It's like, whoa. Wow. Yeah, that that reminds up. me of my wife's grandmother. We, uh, my wife and I actually dated all through uh, high school years. 
high school sweethearts. And um, I, uh, like an idiot, I broke it off with her after graduation and told her I had to go discover myself a little bit and uh, didn't see each other for nine years. But anyway, before, before that, uh, her grandmother, um, my wife is, is half Chinese and half Norwegian and her grandmother, Chinese grandma, Gigi Ma, she sat me down one day in their house and, you know, and she just, she told me, she said, I want to let you know that uh, you and Bianca are going to be married someday. It might not be when you think it's going to be, but it is going to happen someday. And uh, I've always remembered that. I always remembered that conversation with her. And, um, and so when we rekindled nine years after uh, my self breaking it off uh, and then, you know, dated for a while and we, I proposed to her and she said, yes, well, thank God. And, um, you know, told her the story and she said, well, the funny thing is, is that at one point during the nine year hiatus we had my, she told me the same thing. So uh, it was very, it's kind of interesting. But, Prophetic. Yeah. Yep. She saw something in you though, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, what a combination, Chinese and Norwegian. So you have the Chinese wisdom, the Norwegian work ethic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And they met in Brainerd, Minnesota. How about that? <laughs> Brainerd, yeah, that was in uh, that was yeah. in Fargo. Sure, I remember. It Brainerd. sure was. Sure was. Well, Evan played basketball in Norway for a year, mm. and he said, "Dad, I said, how uh, how's it going?" He said, "Well, they don't understand sarcasm." I said, "Excuse me." He said, "Yeah, they don't they don't really laugh. I mean, hmm. it's all work. It's all business. It's like you know, put your head down and go to work." So I called a young man that I'd coached who'd, whose parents were Norwegian and he'd, done, he'd spent time there teaching English. And I said, James, what's the deal with Norwegians? You know, they don't, they don't laugh. He goes, oh, no, 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 never. It's all business. He said, but the only time they do laugh is in a bar with their best friend after three drinks. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know any Norwegians, you go, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah, sure. I'm oh, right. I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to visit them uh, in July. We're having a the family reunion, her family reunion is in July. So I'll see them all in Wisconsin. Oh, that's awesome. So you're not going to Norway? Not going to Norway. No, mo uh, most of her family is here now in Minnesota or Wisconsin. So. Sure. Yep. Well, Evan was in we'll Bergen and he we'll said it was the most Norway. beautiful city he's ever seen. Hmm. It's in the Southern part of the, the country. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's funny. You know, it's funny how we come together, right? I mean, my, my, my wife's mother was German. And my favorite teacher in high school was Susan Hall, my German teacher. Ich spreche ganz Deutsch and hoffentlich werde ich nach Deutschland gehen. You know, I still speak the language. And uh, the first night I met Debbie's parents, I heard this German accent. I said, kommst du von Deutschland? And that was it, man. We were off and running. We spoke German for like 20 minutes. And I was in, man. Uh, that first meet the parents, I was in the first night. Uh, in the inner circle quickly. Right? <laughs> speak the language. So who knew, right? I mean, That's come on. Right. And I still stay in touch with my German teacher, you know, all these years later. In fact, I just sent her an email this morning. So who knew, right? That's right. That's right. So how is the book coming? You're, you're two thirds of the way through it, do you think? I believe, yeah, about two thirds of the way, um, you know, through it, I think. That's how I feel about it, about two thirds of the way. I feel like there is more to the story. There's more that needs to be um, said and 
Um, you know, I'm sure most of it will get edited out. We'll see. But um, I feel like there's more. I, I believe that the story will be done when it's done. You know, I, I right. think that I'll just know when I'm finished. Um, but, you know, the, the book has been um, many years coming. It's um, one of those things that I've always talked about, uh, whether it's just my, you know, I don't want to say talk about to everybody, but you know, my wife, my, you know, I have a spiritual advisor and those things. So I've talked about it, but I've just never put pen to paper. And right. um, if you're okay with it, I'd like to tell the story, listening to one of your webinars and reaching out to you via email and, yes, um, you know, just step out of the comfort zone and say, Hey, you know, th that, that webinar you gave, um, which was like a year prior to me listening to it, but I listened to it and your email is still the same. So I typed up the email and I sent it out to you and um, just have that conversation with you and I have somebody hold you accountable. Um, but it was time to put that pen to paper and, and uh, to have that conversation with you and to start hearing from other people who have done that and um, gave me the motivation. It's, it's time. So whether you have three kids, a full-time job, a wife, um, sports, there's always a half hour or there's always time for a half hour or one page every right. day. Right. So, um, that is the key is yeah. pick a number, pick a number and do it every single day. It's consistency. But there's something else in, in your story that, that matters. And I think for our listeners, especially those that are aspiring to write a book, is once you make the decision, everything changes. Right. Whether that's quitting drinking like I did or uh, getting married or you know, having children or once you make that decision, everything changes. And then it is, if it's followed up by action and consistency, then everything's possible. You know, no one told me I couldn't write a book. So I did. I didn't tell anybody. I just decided I wanted to write a book. And and then I just started writing. And thank God no one told me I couldn't because writing's got nothing to do with English. And it has to do with the daily discipline of putting pen to paper. And, you know, I'm reading a book right now about writing and uh, by Dorothea Brand. I found it in a little used bookstore the other day, and it's just amazing. She's one of my heroes. She was very popular in the 30s and 40s. She wrote, you know, dozens of books. And she says, you know, the bottom line is you just sit down and do the work. You know, back to our conversation about Stephen King's book on writing, you know, he said, yeah. first and foremost, writers need to read a lot because reading is part of the creative process. But then after that, it's just sitting down the same time every day and making the time to do it. And there's no substitute for that discipline and that consistency. And you're, you're learning that. That's very true. Yeah, I am. Yeah, that's, uh, and I've even gone through the process of um, not doing it too. <laughs> right. And, you know, and it's very easy to, allow the days the nights uh to start adding up that well you know i'm too tired tonight or okay well it's night maybe i'll wake up early and do it then or you know well i'm kind of groggy in the morning maybe I'll, I'll wait until tonight and so get caught in that trap too and and i did for a while um until getting set straight but you're right it is all about it's that decision once the decision is made you know you're off to the races and you know just like you said when um when you're talking about quitting drinking and, you know, and um, writing the book and you make the, so that's, that was the same for me as, you know, whether it was um, proposing my wife or, 
you know, myself quitting drinking and the, the bad decisions I was making as a younger man and right. life really going nowhere. And, um, to, to now, um, just make the decision, but behind the decision is the action. And, you know, really the action is just really small, easy sets of steps and, and actions behind it. So right. one small action just adds up. And as they continue to add up before you know it, your life is completely changed. And you look around one day and you're thinking, how did I get here? Right. Wow. One day at a time. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, you know, my writing time is first thing in the morning, 530 to 630, three pages a day or an hour, whichever comes first. But Ogmandino used to write from 10 at night till two in the morning. Right. Mm -hmm. And he wrote, God knows how many books in a 20 or 30 books. And you have to find your sweet spot. You have to find that time and place where, and when I'm writing, I turn everything off. I put a set of headphones on. I turn off my phone. I put on Diana crawl and she's, she's my muse. And I just write. And when the hour's up or the three pages are done, then I stop. Mm -hmm. And, but I do it every day. Once I begin the process, I do it every single day. And this new book is the longest one I've written. It's probably going to come in at about 225 pages, which is way longer than any book I've ever written before. That but I had a lot to say. And my motivation for writing it, it's a kind of love letter to my grandchildren. Hmm. Right? An old light through new windows. 52 questions to change your life. And, you know, what I did was I gathered up my experience of 63 years. And, and here's some ideas and insights that I hope you guys will take with you, you know, some questions to ask and some thoughts to consider. And, and really, you know, a book is a little bit of immortality, right? Long after we're gone, your grandchildren or great-grandchildren will be sitting, sitting on a couch reading your book and you're going to be making a difference in people's lives and, and we won't be here to enjoy it, but the book will outlive us. Hmm. And maybe that's the greatest reason to write a book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree I, with you. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited for you because I can't wait to, to help you get the book finished and get it out to the world and and start to enjoy some of the uh, tremendous benefits that being an author affords. It's uh, there's nothing there's nothing that compares. Well, maybe the exception of the love of our children, but there's nothing that compares to uh, the phone call, the email, the text saying your book changed my life. Hmm. And uh, and that, that's what's in store for you down the road. So I'm excited. Uh, what advice would you offer somebody? Uh, writing a book or in, in general? <laughs> general advice. General advice. General advice. Um, well, you said it earlier. It's just one day at a time, one one action at a time. It's just, you know, whatever's in, in front of you, remain present in the now. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to remain in the now. Uh, and just worry about what's in front of you and, and accomplish whatever that might be. Um, and just keep, keep moving, keep chugging, uh, you know, and, and have enough humbleness to know that you're wrong when you're wrong. And, um, and when you're right, you're right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, just remain teachable, remain open-minded. You know, the, um, some of the best lessons I've learned is, is um, because of the discipline of having, learn to stay open-minded and, and remain teachable even when I think I have it all figured out. Uh, it's amazing how many new lessons I learn each day um, interacting with people and, and books and um, you know you see things different 
differently each day. So right. just, just, just remain open-minded. Um, keep your ears open. Listen. Uh, learn to listen. Listen to learn. Yes. <clears throat> so. Well, going back to Jim Collins' book, Level 5 Leadership, you know, humility was one of the qualities that he defined as the reasons for their success. And to me, when you say humble, you, you're also saying teachable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Oh, yep. well, I, I so appreciate your time. Uh, I know oh, you're a busy you. guy and uh, thank you for carving out the time today. It's uh, your future so bright. It burns my eyes. Oh, I appreciate that, Mark. Thank you. Well, listen, uh, make it a great day unless you have other plans and I know we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thank you, friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jeremy. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454, or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association, or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day, unless you have other plans.